This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's up, y'all? How's it going? Good. How are you? Kenzie, what's up? How's it going? Good, good. How are you? Hey, man. Just chilling. Eric, thank you for... Thank, thank you for suggesting this to this uh, tonight. I appreciate it. I'm always down to come on here. Oh, most definitely. Feels like a, a pretty timely uh, opportunity to talk about Michigan's big win right before the big rivalry game this weekend. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, we'll talk, you know, about uh, about the game, and then of course we'll talk about uh, um, kind of uh, probably want to like preview a bit about the. Michigan State matchup, so we'll, we'll, we'll kind of just like go about it, just like kind of play it by ear. Um, yeah, sounds like a plan. Yeah, you got the floor, man. All right. Well, I, I curated a couple topics I wanted to bring up, but obviously the first thing um, on on top of our minds is we're we're kind of basking in Michigan's super successful Week One outing against Minnesota. Now, I think a lot of people expected. Michigan and Harbaugh to struggle in prime time in a road matchup because that's traditionally the way it's gone in his time at Michigan. But a 25-point victory, man, that's, that's a really solid outing right out of the gate. Uh, what did, did you watch the game on Saturday? Yeah, man, I watched, uh, I watched the entire thing. And, um, yeah, it was a drubbing. And, you know, uh, you know two things really stood out. Um, you know, one thing is how important special teams is, especially, mm-hmm. um, especially in this environment where, you know, teams don't have a lot of prep, uh, and teams are a little bit rusty, like special teams can, you know, flip the field for you. And then, you know, you saw where it was almost like they, they got the block punt and then they scored immediately. You can almost feel like, okay, r- really, are we doing this? You know what I mean? And then, right. You no know, Charbonnet just you know takes off and kind of quells all anxiety. Um, I think special teams is very important. They didn't have a dude who could kick the ball more than ten yards, um, and that showed. Uh, on top of that, uh, the ball security for Michigan was impressive. I know that they did have a couple of um, they did have a couple of you know fumbles, but they recovered them. Uh, but I think the fact that they didn't have any turnovers also allowed Michigan to keep the spread pretty wide. And uh-huh. at any point, any turnover in that second half, now Minnesota has a has a chance to, to cut the game to three or four to like a one score game. So I think that was very impressive, and you know, you know, it just showed um, a lot of maturity and growth to be able to uh, secure. Oh, certainly. And I, I think that's something not a lot of people expected out of Joe Milton in his first game as a starter, because traditionally 
you experience a few growing pains, and it might take a little bit to get into a rhythm, but Milton looked rather composed from the get-go. And not to have any turnovers in a, a road matchup like that is that that says a lot, and that's kind of how he was able to to lead the team. But you mentioned the blocked punt right off the bat. I wonder if not having a crowd at Minnesota played a, a little bit of a role because a lot of us Michigan uh, followers have seen games not I don't want to say get out of hand from the get go, but when things start going south, like such as uh, the Penn State game a year ago would be an example of that it's a little bit difficult to write the ship, but you mentioned Charbonnet had that 70 yard run. So that was an immediate response right there. And I I wonder maybe from a player's perspective, what the lack of a crowd did. And if that kind of allowed Michigan to answer without feeling too backed up into a corner. That's like a really good point because, you know, you have a situation where, you know, Minnesota wins, wins the toss. Everyone's going, going nuts. Right. Mm-hmm. Michigan is now, you know, second and eight, but then this guy Mason just like flings this guy out of bounds, <laughs> just like blocks him for like thirty extra seconds. That was a little yeah, reckless. <laughs> right. Now they're third and twenty-three. Now the crowd is going even crazier, right? Mm-hmm. And then and then Joe gets sacked. He like leaves the pocket too early. Then he gets sacked. Now it was like, oh my gosh, what is going on? And then you get a block behind that crowd is losing their head. Oh, you know, it seemed like at that point, everything was headed in Minnesota's direction. It, they could not have had a better start to the game from their perspective. It was perfect. It was, it was perfect. And I think they said, you know, like, you know, like this is how we wanted us to start the game, blah, blah, blah. I mean, like that is what you want. You want mm-hmm. to win. You want to win the toss, defer, get a stop and score. And that's exactly what happened within a matter of a couple of minutes. Um, so everything was right. And then without the crowd noise, um, it's a truly neutral field. And and in that situation, the better team is usually going to win the game. And mm-hmm. and that's kind of what we saw. I think um, I think Michigan just overwhelmed them in the trenches for four straight quarters. And, um, you know, Rashad Bateman, he didn't really, really, you know, start doing much until Dax went, went out with this eye injury. Exactly. So it's, you know, just being on a, being on a neutral field and, you know, being able to really lock in and focus without the extra hoopla and distractions, without the other team getting that extra juice, that next gear, um, cause home team advantage is a real thing. Like people mm-hmm. think, eh, it's the same dimensions. I'm like, look, man, like it's, it's like a weird thing, but like you feel it on both being the road team and the, and the home team, you get that extra juice. And um, you've played in, in empty gyms before. And then kind of juxtaposing that versus a packed big 10 game it's a completely yeah. different environment not that's completely different. But the same thing the same thing completely. transfers over to football too exactly you know like we go from playing kent state at in like a closed scrimmage nobody's in there cheering to going to the breslin and they, you know like oh you know, yeah those two teams are at different levels but just that the entire atmosphere is just night. Oh, 100%. 
And you mentioned how in the trenches, that seems like where the game was kind of won because as impressive as Michigan's skill position players were, I think seven different guys carried the football. There were eight different receivers catching passes. The the line of scrimmage is kind of where the battle was won because Michigan was moving guys up front and then defensively too. Quiddy Pay and Aiden Hutchinson both created a ton of pressure and disrupted Tanner Morgan's rhythm. So that almost set the table for Michigan's skill guys to do what they did on Saturday. Most definitely. Um, and <laughs> the referees could have called legit like <laughs> 10 holding calls. And mm-hmm. I don't think they called one. Um, Aiden Hutchinson getting was getting beat. mauled. I feel bad. Yeah, he was that getting hit. destroyed. But then you saw how the guys adjusted mentally. Really, like, in, like, the, the third quarter, they stopped trying to get the flag, and they just started just, like, chopping these guys' arms off and just blowing past them and really pressuring Morgan. And um, I think that's what really turned the uh, game around to where Michigan got out to a very comfortable lead um, without having to, you know, uh, panic with long offensive drives from um, from uh, the Gophers. Yeah, a hundred percent. Because after Michigan uh, took the lead and they they responded from that blocked punt, there were not many moments in the game where it felt like okay, Michigan might have had a, a two score lead, so it was still technically within reach. But the Gophers didn't pose a, a real threat for much of the game. And the second half, it seemed like Michigan was in control right from the get go. Yeah, they were, and it was so important. Um, it was so important defensively. Uh, it was um, it was it was fourth and goal. It was a whole sequence. It was you know fourth and goal uh, for Minnesota. Eleven. It was what an, I think it was an eighteen point game. You know they score here and uh-huh. back to eleven. I mean eleven uh-huh. late in the third. I mean that's very manageable in college. That's nothing. You know, so, you know, you know, fourth and goal late in the third, everyone knew where the ball was going. It was going to Bateman and 22 jammed him up real, real good. I think it was Gemin. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing his last name right. Is it Jamon Green? Yes. Jamon Green. Yeah. So he jammed him up really, really good and, and knocked Bateman off balance to the point where Morgan had to go another direction and they got right. that stop. Then I believe the very next play, Haskins goes for 66 yards. And then <laughs> and, and then that's pretty much game because I think they get a, a touchdown there. Now you're not up 11, you're up 25. And that's game right. at that point. You hit on a really good point there because Rashad Bateman – while Minnesota's running back is talented, I think he rushed for nearly a thousand yards last season. Rashad Bateman is the go-to guy. He's really the one that gets their offense going and and helps put points on the board for them. And Jamon Green's emergence was absolutely massive because the number two cornerback spot for Michigan it was a big question mark. Now the Wolverines saw Vincent Gray last year, and he got a lot of quality Big Ten experience under his belt. But the number two cornerback spot, whoever it was going to be, was completely unproven. And not only did Jamon Green step up to the occasion, he had three pass breakups on the day. One of them that you highlighted right there in a crucial situation with the defense backed up to the goal line. And that that saves points automatically. So 
his ability to step up in a primetime moment is absolutely huge, and it's got to give confidence in the defense, especially the secondary going forward. Most definitely. I mean, you're talking about you know one play giving you a 14-point swing, and at that point in you know, first game of the season, being up 25 and being up 11, <laughs> two very different <laughs> things. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, back to the – you know, ball security thing. You know, man, who shot who shot out of a cannon and Michael Barrett like lit Morgan up. Michael Barrett obliterated that man. And it's Jesus. like T- Tanner Morgan has a family. Come on, be careful here. <laughs> <laughs> now, is that a fumble or where was or is that an interception? Uh, it was ruled as a fumble. So Michael Barrett absolutely popped the quarterback and leveled him. And the yeah, ball bounced the right into Donvin Jeter's chest. And he rumbled for, I think it ended up being a 15-yard touchdown return. But it all yeah. happened in a blink of an eye. That was It was quick. It was quick. That game was a lot of fun to watch, man. From uh, It just, I mean, it felt, I'm I'm trying really hard not to get too ahead of myself. Um, but it's difficult, isn't it? It's yeah. It felt like at no point, especially on the, on the offensive end, you know, Mm -hmm. we've had anxieties the past, you know, years. This was the first time where I'm just like, I'm excited to see what they were going to do. Not if they were going to mess up. And those are two different feelings. You know what I mean? When when Shea Patterson was the uh, signal caller for Michigan, there was a level of uncertainty to his game. And while he did have quality performances, and he maybe won us a couple games along the way, there was um, an air of uncertainty towards what he was going to do because he was known to fire off an errant pass that would get picked off. And he had his fumbling issues throughout his career at Michigan, but Joe Milton didn't show either of those qualities to his game and that was that's absolutely massive for Michigan going forward yeah man and it's um and it was a it was a lot of fun to watch and being able to see a quarterback run with confidence without putting himself in danger Mm -hmm. um because the one part of the game where I felt that I'm like okay he gets it is when I, I believe it was first and 10 Milton scrambled to the right he could have gotten the first down easily, mm-hmm. but he went out early, about two yards, because he understands, hey, I can get these two or three, but, you know, is it, you know, I'm worth more to this team than just these two or three yards. We'll get it on the next down. And right. And the, sorry. that was the difference with, between him and McCaffrey. McCaffrey would have went out there and did something nuts and gotten hurt. Or, yeah, and or break something. his collarbone. Right. Right. Or something nuts like that, but he was he was very very efficient and tactical uh, of when to get out, when to get on the ground. Because um, I don't think he really took a hit inside of that uh, first sack. Yep, and to have the wherewithal to to make those type of plays that you mentioned in in the moment is very big, especially in his first start. Now you mentioned his ability to run with the football, and over the off season. It's been pretty fun watching the the hype train around Joe Milton, and you uh, in in a you know a, a friendly way you called me out on Twitter for an article that I put out with the comparisons I made to Joe Milton. But when he was running the football, who did he look like? 
He looked, he looked just like him. Damn right. He looked he just did. like him. <laughs> now that's he just like him. Of course, there's a lot that goes into Cam Newton overall as a football player that Joe still needs to build to. But just from a running perspective and giving his size, when he was working towards the goal line and he plunged over the the, the end zone, that was a Cam Newton play in my book. Yeah, like like even this is like some like fanboy stuff on my end. <laughs> but even when he would like get the ball in the shotgun and like spin the ball in his hand and just float up the field, just wild, mm-hmm. wild, oh, there, wild stuff. There's and, some zips to Joe Milton's passes that I've not seen from a Michigan quarterback going all the way back. I don't know if I've seen it. Ryan Mallett didn't have the same kind of arm Joe Milton does. No, no, not not a chance. Um, I do, though, I do want to see um, – because everything was good. You know what I mean? Everything went well. I want to uh-huh. see Joe, and I want to see that team um, when things aren't going well. You know, I want to see when there's adversity, how are you going to respond to it? Because it, when it's good, everybody's good. You know, everybody's happy, go yeah, yeah, getting the lucky bounce. I mean, you know, you know, Joe goes on the move. He throws it. Linebacker from Minnesota tips it. That throw Kyle over Jackson's the middle, right that was there. dicey. Yeah, Giles is right there, first down. Very easy. That could have been, been, a, been a, a pick six. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, you know, very lucky bounces. That was one. And then um, then we had two fumbles, I believe, that could have gone the other way as well. So that's, you know, three turnovers that were kind of 50-50 right there. So um, if those go the other way, what, you know, what's going on between your ears? How how are you going to come out the the next possession and still do what you do? Uh-huh. Um, that's what I want to see, and I think that's where I think that's what Michigan has been missing since probably Jake Rudock. I think I've said this before, where you have a chill, cool, calm, collected cat who's going out there. It's just business, not too high, not too low. Um, someone who's not caught up in the caught up in the hoopla, not caught up in all the, you know, great things, not caught up in things that, that go wrong. Because Rudolph, whether he threw an interception or threw a touchdown, he was coming out that next possession the same way, just on par. Yeah, it and didn't shake him. Exactly. I want to I, – I, we didn't get a chance to see that um, against Minnesota because they weren't put in that position. But that's what I'm – that's, like, my next thing that I'm going to look for. Because it's Michigan fo- football. It's going to happen. <laughs> it's going to happen. But I want to, you know, be able to see guys be able to take an adversity or an adverse situation um, and see if they could turn that into a – Yeah, exactly. Because even though Milton didn't face a ton of adversity in the opening game, It'll happen eventually, and Joe Milton answered a lot of questions about what type of quarterback he is. Now, that, like you mentioned, is still up for debate. Once things don't go wrong, how will he respond? But I've got to say, with Michigan State on the docket, I don't think we're going to see that next week either. I don't know. I don't know. Um, Here's where I'm at with that, because I'm kind of back and forth. Where Seven turnovers to Rutgers, though. I, I get it. 
I get it. But I'm looking at these turnovers, and these are technical things. You know, what, you know all right, good look. So these turnovers. So he had what? Two interceptions. One was at the end of the game where he was pressing. The other one was a miscommunication with the receiver because he threw a short. Tom Brady does that all the time. I'm not, I'm not saying that he's Tom Brady. He's not Tom Brady. But I've seen even this year Tom Brady threw an mm-hmm. interception because his receiver went one way and Brady thought he was going the other. It happens yep. all the time. In terms of fumbles, you're looking at, you know, Lombardi fumbled, and it was because the the uh, left side of the line got blown blown by, and the the running back didn't throw a block. And then you have an issue where Lombardi's hitting two receivers, and they both fumble. Like real weird True. weird stuff was happening. So that is seven turnovers. I think are the most turnovers in the Big Ten since 2010. Yikes. <laughs> um, so I, I don't see seven turnovers happening and these are division one players. What do you think their point of em- em- emphasis is, is going to be this week? Take care of the ball. And I know when there's a True. point of emphasis, div- division one players take care of it. And I don't see seven turnovers. I see two tops, um, whether they come from interceptions or fumbles, because I think it's, it's going to be such a high priority um, that that'll get taken care of, in my opinion. Um, and I think they'll play better because I think they got embarrassed. Well, they can't um, play worse. They no. can't play worse. But it, seven turnovers and you lose by 11. True. Like, think about that. You know what I mean? Seven so it's kind of misleading in a way. It's, it's very misleading. I have more questions about that team than – I had going into the game now mm-hmm. seven tur- seven turnovers and you lose by two scores and very my only my only gripe with what Mel Tucker did was it was 28 20 right you were you were you were pressing you were pressing Rutgers you were you were you know you know uh, doing the right things defensively offensively it was fourth and two or fourth and three and he went for it when I believe you take three points there. So now it's 28, 23. Uh-huh. You keep that pressure on, you keep pressure on, but they don't get that. And I believe Rutgers goes down and they either score or kick a field goal. Um, yeah. That changed the dynamics of the game. It changed like everything. It changed everything. And, um, and that was really my only ground. I think if they kick a field goal there, they have a shot still. And I think uh-huh. they had like five or six turnovers at that point. You're you have five or six turnovers and you're in the game. You know what I mean? And I I know it's Rutgers by name, but that was a different Rutgers team than what we've seen in several years. True, but I, I think that also speaks to the the level of uh, each team on their own, and I don't mean that in a good way because if you commit five or six turnovers and you're still in the game. There's not a lot of great football being played on either side. Correct. And I'll I'll give I'll give Rutgers their just due and their respect because it's important for them to get a win over a Big Ten team since it hasn't happened in four years. However, Michigan's defense is not Rutgers defense. And if Rutgers was able to create pressure and like you said on the left side of the line, there's Quiddy Pay and Aiden Hutchinson firing off the edge. So who who knows how much chaos they're gonna create in the MSU backfield. I agree. And I think it's I 
I think it's going to wear down on Michigan State. But I think in the first first quarter, quarter and a half, I think Michigan State is going to hold up. I just think that Michigan's talent and their consistency is just going to overwhelm Michigan State because they're just not there yet. Um, they're about spring ball ready right now, and they're not very talented. Mm-hmm. So I just think that I think their focus this week is, is going to be very, very good, and they're going to come out, and they're going to hold their own for about – for about 22 minutes, and then it's <laughs> then it's kind of kind of just kind of get away from them. Um, spread is what 23. Yeah, I think it opened up at 24, maybe, but I've seen anywhere between 23 and 25. So that speaks gotcha. to how how most people are predicting the game will go. And I predicted a spread of above 20, also. So which yeah, which makes sense. Uh, Howard wants to come in. He's a Michigan State guy, so he's going to come in here. I'll bring them on. That'll be great. Howard. Sporty. What's up, guys? How you doing, What's up, man? What's up, man? Bro, I'm good. Uh, You know, who's talking about the upset possibilities? Nobody. I don't think anyone. I don't think you're good enough to, to like, get an upset. I think you're – I think they'll they will be focused enough to keep it interesting for a little bit, but I just think they're they're going to get over overwhelmed by the second or third quarter. Really? Yeah. You think really? there's no way, huh? No. Can, can I don't. The picture for us here: if Michigan State does uh, create an upset, how does it happen? It yeah. doesn't. We're on a three. We're on a three-year streak, first of all. But I, I think it looks like, I just think it looks like Harbaugh collapsing. Like, can we just talk about the fact that this guy has bad luck with the, our team, and that's that's it. There, there really is no logic to it. I don't understand why he keeps do you, losing. Do you think that, or do you hope that? <laughs> do I think that? Or, do I think that, or do I hope that? <laughs> Bro. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Who cares, bro? <laughs> wait, wait, we're on a, we're on a, no, we're on a two-game losing streak, right? Yeah, something like that. I think the last time you guys, I think it was 2017. 2017. With, with yeah, it was, and that was a hurricane game, right? It was really bad weather. O'Corn, five turnovers, and still could have won with the Hail Mary. Like, that's mm-hmm. wild. Mm-hmm. And there was a drop pass in that that I, I believe was pretty influential towards the end of the game too. Might be wrong on yes, that. Yes, it was. I think, so. I, I think it was. Um, it was. It was a tight end. I I believe too. Yeah, I believe it was a tight end, um, which is you know uh, tough. But, but Howard, I just don't think this this isn't a chip on the shoulder team yet. Like this this isn't a D'Antonio squad. If D'Antonio was there. I'm on board with you. Like, hey, it could happen. I don't think Mel Tucker has that locker room believing that yet. They don't have that attitude yet. I think they're they're gonna have a lot of focus this this week to keep it interesting for a little bit. But I think Michigan could probably win this game with no coaches. So let me ask you. <laughs> You're wild. No disrespect. No disrespect though. No disrespect. 
Yeah, I don't think that's too far off. It's crazy to say, but it might be true. No disrespect. Uh, I don't know, fam, because... So, there was a guy on here, the after after uh, our loss on Saturday, who was making the point that I wish someone else would make, which is, you know, to what degree is Michigan State's... Are Michigan State's issues sort of fueled by COVID and a lack of, of time together? I feel like now that, mm-hmm. um, you know, now that... Like, Tucker basically came into a raw situation. He didn't know the team at all, and he had COVID... First game, yeah, there are going to be some jitters. But this week, like, what if they lock in? You don't think that Did, there's that possibility? Like, the cohesion could just be an order of magnitude better? I don't know, bro. I'm reaching. You know that, okay, there is a there's a, a, a famous quote out there, all right? It says, talent beats hard work when hard work has no talent. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what's going to happen. Damn. There's and- – there's, and, they're too over. It's they're they're going to be too overwhelming, and it starts in the trenches. Michigan State is going to be destroyed on both sides of the ball. I mean, you're going to have Joe having forever in the pocket. Then on the other end, you're going to have Lombardi running for his life the entire game. Yeah. And Howard, fill us in on this. Didn't Michigan State have quite a few players and some key players also opt out? Yeah, they did. Now, not saying that's the deciding factor in this because Michigan had Nico Collins and Ambry Thomas opt out as well. But if a team like Michigan State is maybe struggling to uh, find continuity and what their true identity is, having those absences certainly doesn't help the situation. No, you're right. I don't know, guys. I'm just trying to find something to reach for. I think maybe (laughs) the the more pertinent question here, because I I don't believe Michigan State is going to win. I don't think there's barely anybody that does believe that. But can Michigan State cover the spread? Yes, they can. Yeah, I think so. Yes, they can. I think so. And that happens with Michigan having poor ball security. If they come in having – like I said, in Minnesota, they could have easily had like like does a pump block count as a count as a turnover? Technically it does because it's ruled a fumble, but that's a it's a strange situation. You're right. Gotcha. So um so offensively, they could have had three turnovers against Minnesota. Those two fumbles they got back, and then that tip pass that that Jackson caught. So uh-huh. you have that situation. Those could go the other way against Michigan State. Whether, you know, even if we are focused, even if just a little bit of lax, like, you know, like these these are Division One players, man. So if if Michigan struggles um, with, you know, whether it's fumbles or interceptions on the wrong side of the field, I do think that Michigan State can definitely cover and keep the game within three touchdowns or so. Is this the first That's rivalry reasonable. game to happen in the life of locker room? I believe it is. Is it? I think it is. And I'm going to be on that ass on Saturday if we win. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Michigan State just just did play Rutgers, though. And I'm, I'm playing, man. I'm playing. No, Wait, but I, really? I, I didn't hear Rutgers. about that. The powerhouse Rutgers? <laughs> the same team? <laughs> 
Part I, of I, know, like, I think for, this is the first one. This is the first one. For wow. an upset to truly happen, you as a team, you have to have a few things. Um, a, you either have to have a really good offensive line and defensive line to control the game and limit the amount of possessions that are in the game, just keep it low scoring, and all of a sudden one turnover can really decide the factor, the decide the outcome of the game. Or B, you have playmakers that can just explode on offense and just change the game. Let's just look at Purdue and Rondell Moore and how they were able to upset Ohio State. So it's it's kind of uh, uh, you have to have one of those two things to really try to pull out an upset. And I just Michigan State has doesn't have an explosive player and they don't have the line on either side of the ball to control the game. And so that that's where it's like if this isn't D'Antonio led team, like I said on Saturday, I'm scared of this game. But the fact that this isn't D'Antonio's team anymore relieves a lot of the the anxiety I would have going. That's a, that's a good point. And Michigan State, in the terms of playmakers, Elijah Collins was expected to be their lead running back going into the contest, but he didn't have much of an impact on the game. Is that right? No, he was actually RB2. So they started uh, Hayward first, but then Hayward had two bad – Hayward had two bad runs and then totally whiffed on a pass block, um, which ended up being a fumble. So then he came out and then Collins went in. um, And then Collins still – he didn't have that same bounce. um, And I'm not sure if that's just, you know, funk from not starting or something like that. Either way, he has to kind of get out of that, knowing that he's the most talented back. Uh, and then Jordan Jordan Simmons, a true freshman, or a red – no, I think he's a true freshman from uh, – is he a true freshman? Or is he a redshirt from Georgia? I think he's a redshirt. But you have, you know, Jordan Simmons uh, comes in as the, third, as the third back and does fairly well. What's up, Greg? I see you talking that stuff. Yo, what's up, man? So Trouble I just want to say, so I I watched the Michigan State Rutgers game, obviously, and as you start talking about Elijah Collins, like one of the most popular things on my timeline that I was initially agreeing with was like, how the hell is Connor Hayward getting snaps over this dude? Um, and I'm not here to defend the Connor Hayward decision. By no, the we're not. Tucker staff, but. Elijah Collins had nine carries for three yards in that game. So it's not like the touches he did get, he did anything with. And I'm wondering if there's something more going on. There's got to be. There's got to be because he just didn't have that same bounce. He like, he like, you know, got the handoff and didn't explode to any hole. He kind of just like waited to get hit. It was super, super weird. Um, I'm not sure if there's a, there's got to be something else happening, whether it's um, whether it's uh, off the field or on the field with the with the uh, coaches, because because, you know, those are a new set of eyes. So new set of eyes are coming in. You can't uh-huh. just rely on the previous year. It's like, oh, well, I'm the leading rusher in the Big Ten. Who ca- they don't care, bro. Like you need to come <laughs> in and destroy and, you know, show me why you're here. You know, right. who, who do you think should get the start? Uh, this coming weekend, I think Simmons should. 
No, I asked Greg, bro. Oh. I mean, <laughs> I I think I agree with Ant here. I would go Simmons based on week one. Unless, I don't know. I'm not expecting anything more than what we saw, really, from Collins last week at this point. If Collins shows anything like his form last year, I would say Collins. But you uh, move if if you're me, you move on from Collins. That's a career defining performance right there in the bad way. You you don't get starts on my team if that's hold, what you do. I'm hold sorry. on, Is, yes. isn't the fact that we're discussing who Michigan State should start at running back a bad sign? Oh yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, yeah, absolutely, <laughs> yeah. It's not a good sign. Tell you what. You saw what I said in the comments, by the way, and, and and everybody, every Michigan person in here. You know, it's funny. I went to MSU. I'm not from Michigan. I usually don't care about this rivalry. But the week of this game, I start to care. So it's kind of fun, isn't it? It, it, is, it is kind of fun. It's weird to not be part of the mix originally. Like, I wasn't I – wasn't, I'm not from Michigan, but I do care in this moment. And – I'm going to stick that green Spartan on your profile so fast. Bruh. (laughs) (laughs) And then you're going to get hit with Devin Bush scraping his cleats on the field. I know you have the power to do it, but, like, please don't. (laughs) Wait. Howard, what's the bet? Did I come in late for this? Is it, like, who wins the game bet? Or is it a who wins the spread bet? Listen, man. Everybody knows ever since I started going to Michigan State in 2011, weird, scary mystical voodoo seems to happen on game day between Michigan and Michigan State. So all I'm Mm -hmm. saying is it's a straight up who wins the game because I think despite what we saw last week, Michigan's liable to shit the bet. It happens. It's happened before. Bruh, D'Antonio is 4.3 million miles away, man. (laughs) And he's He's still in your your head. He's not – was That's Mel Tucker pretty successful at Colorado? I didn't really follow his tenure there. No, no Eric, bro. he was not. He was terrible. He was so that's a bad sign. It yes, there's bad signs everywhere in East Lansing right now. Let me now, be the voice with that being here. said, because you guys make a good point. With all the bad signs, that that kind of is the making of a game where Michigan could have a hiccup if there is a That's trap what game. I'm saying. Right. That's true. <laughs> I take your bet, Howard. What'd you say? I'll take your bet. Hey, thank you, bro. Hold on. Who's I'm it's, not looking at my phone. Who's talking? It's Darnell. It's Darnell. I will take your bet. But here's the thing. If you lose, you gotta change yours to your Michigan fan during during a game that MSU basketball play. Because I know football don't really bother you. Oh you, you okay. That sounds good. So the next Michigan, Michigan State game, if Michigan State loses on Saturday, for the next basketball game between us, I'll change my profile to Michigan. You got it, bro. I'm that confident. And and, and if if we win, if if Michigan State wins this weekend, Ant has to change. He has to put uh, Spartans on his profile. That's fine with me. <laughs> but Bar- Darnell, you have to put you have to put Mel Tucker as my daddy in your profile. Okay. Oh, I, oh most definitely. Oh, I, I, I'm that confident that y'all not winning again. After what I. <laughs> I went back and rewatched both games over the past, like, what, 48 hours? Y'all not winning that game. <laughs> I mean, the, the only way it happens is if, like, 65% of Michigan team catches COVID. And they can't. Game's play. canceled anyways. Darnell. Be played then. Darnell, don't get too cocky because that could happen. 
Well, the Michigan, Michigan's the only team not to shut down from COVID since the start of COVID. They're the only team in the Big Ten not to have to shut down their practices for any extent of time be, based on players getting COVID. So yep. I – So they're due. <laughs> so there's <laughs> so there do. Oh, I don't know. And I joined late, but did we talk about Mertz officially being out for 21 days now? Or oh, not officially, come back. but I I heard rumors that the the second test came out positive. So Matt, so Matt lives in Madison, Wisconsin. Sorry, Matt. Matt lives in Madison. <laughs> no, it is beautiful there. I don't don't even say sorry. I love it there. <laughs> no, so Mertz, if so, if Mertz is out twenty-one days, he misses the miss misses. <laughs> he misses the Michigan game. Not only that, David yep. Cohen, he had foot surgery about three weeks ago. So Jack I don't Cohen. even know who the third stringer is. And the third stringer is actually missed practice today. And rumor has it he's roommates with Mertz. So he no actually way. might have COVID no as well. Way, so they might no be way. down to their fourth stringer. Um, but then also another rumor is is that Wisconsin knew Mertz's roommates had COVID on Friday. And they still played Mertz on Saturday. And if that's mm. true, which oh, it man. should be investigated, there should be some sort of Big, big penalty on Wisconsin if they played a player that they knew had a tie, had a, a contact tracing um, within the last few hours or the last few days before the game. That's negligent. Hey, yeah, I'm about to say, but I got a quick question. It was brought up today. I, I, I listen to a lot of sports radio back home, but I mean, hold now. on, hold on. You need to stop listening to sports radio and you need to start coming on locker room. I do come on when Anna's on, man, but, but look. So somebody brought up a good point, and I know Ann has heard of the guy before, but there's a local a local radio host that brought up, do you guys actually think that if some big-time players from Ohio State tested positive, we're going to find out about it? Nah. No. Not a chance. Not a chance. I, I, I'm, I'm starting to believe that, too. Like, I, I don't think if Justin Fields caught COVID, there's <laughs> no way we find out about it. He'd be if playing with if COVID. they do. If they do, they, I, I think they're going to go by the public protocol, not the NCAA. Like, they'll say he's out mm-hmm. with, like, in, with, like, an ankle sprain, and he's out for, like, 10 days. And then they'll test him again, and then he'll be clear <laughs> and good to go. Yep. Right. I'm, like, I'm Justin Fields will, have the, Fields will have the Donald Trump type of COVID for a weekend, and then he's back. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Come on, on, man. (laughs) No, but um, yeah. That's so that so that Wisconsin game becomes really interesting. If you're saying they're, you know, they could be down to a possible, you know, not even third, but a fourth string quarterback with a running game that really is cheeks. Um, not very. They're starting a full. They're starting their fullbacks at running back. They don't no have way. a running back. They don't have a running back. Yes. Yeah, so the fullback from last this is year the perfect... is their second string running back. Wow. This is the perfect storm just just to lose to uh, Columbus. And you took the exact yeah. words out of my mouth. It's a perfect storm. <laughs> That's exactly. I was thinking the same thing. We go in and 
you know, still take that L on uh, December 12th. Just a, a different day, same result. True that, man. But, you know, in Indiana, Indiana, I think uh, I saw a stat that was like, um, what happened in the Penn State-Indiana game uh, has only happened one other time, and that was Indiana versus Oregon or something like that, where a team that was that gained over 475 lost to a team that gained under 225. Wow. That's only happened like twice in history. That's wild. Right. That And that's that's why Saturday night I said I'm not that scared of Indiana, even though they did beat a top 10 Penn State team. Is They they got very lucky with their toner, turnovers, and they got absolutely destroyed in that game. They, they were outplayed mm-hmm. in every facet of that game and got lucky to win that game. Three yes, they're a good team, and much, yes, right? they always play Michigan hard, but they they got absolutely outgained and outplayed throughout that. So let's talk about Penn State here for a second, because since they're without Micah Parsons and then their running back, Journey Brown, I, I kind of thought heading into Saturday that they were overranked being a top 10 program. But given the stats that you just laid out about all the yards that they gained and how they dominated in many facets of the football game, it sounds like they might be legit. Maybe not top 10 quality, but ranked top 25 good. Is that right? If, they're, if they take care of the ball, they're a top 15 team easy. I mean, they do have a GOAT coaching them, man. GOAT Franklin. GOAT Franklin. Um, hey, that, that, that in itself, the coaching itself takes them down about five ranks. But <laughs> <laughs> um, – but no. for the Big Ten, though, isn't Penn State the second most talented? No, I don't. This year, so. so you not think they're more talented year? than Michigan? No, 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 no. This is this is not biased. This is based off of the two forty seven. Yeah, I'm, I'm basing it off of that. Ah, it's, okay. it's Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, right? I thought I think Michigan that's why the rankings were the way they were at the preseason. Well, let me look at it. Hold on. I'm about to say, go look at the last two classes. I'm almost certain it's because I screenshot Ohio it. State. Top one and two classes, and Michigan had a better class than Ohio State one of the last three years. No, Penn State is second. So Ohio State is first. Penn State is second. Uh, Michigan's third. Nebraska's fourth. Wisconsin. No, Nebraska is fourth, and they're about to go like one and seven this year. Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, man. It's crazy. But, yeah, I mean, like, you know, Penn State's pretty talented. And uh, I think um, I think Michigan has a shot um, at, at doing well. And Ohio State fans, they troll Michigan a lot, and they, they talk a lot of stuff. For the God, past several months, for the past several months, they have been extremely – I'm not going to say nervous – but they've been extremely walking on eggshells when Joe Milton comes up. This is over the last several months. Um, Cause I, I think they know that if Michigan is going to come around and beat them, it's not going to be a McCaffrey. It's not going to be a, a Shea Patterson. It's going to be someone like Milton uh, who can, because Joe who Milton can control the game. The- Right, because Joe Milton is the type of quarterback that Ohio State usually gets. Yeah. Yeah, that's facts. I think I was a little hard on him on that pass that he uh, – <laughs> I didn't realize how difficult it was, uh, that pass that he threw to Giles Jackson. 
On the move, going, going to his left? Yeah, going the opposite way, and he Ooh. just flicked it. I was like, was oh, sexy. my God. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, like, that was... That was, cross body, that was cross body 45 yards laser. Like that's the best in completion I've ever seen. <laughs> there's there's there there is there is maybe maybe 20 quarterbacks, 25 quarterbacks that would be able to make that throw. Maybe. Right. That that's was... pros and college. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So let's get some predictions for the Michigan Michigan State game. Let's get some scores going around here. What you guys think? Uh, I'll, I'll start off. I, I see it first. being a, a thirty-eight. Oh, sorry. Okay, I'll, I'll start it off here. I think Michigan's gonna pick up a thirty-eight to ten victory. Uh, I think they're going. So here's here's hear me out when I say this. They should have scored. They should have scored sixty against uh, Minnesota, and mm-hmm. I think that Minnesota's defense is better than Michigan State's defense. Mm-hmm. So they're gonna sc- they're gonna actually score sixty this time, and yeah. Michigan State will get maybe fourteen. Oof! I'm giving them maybe two touchdowns. I mean, <laughs> you're a generous I guy, Darnell. I think. I think we see, uh, I think we see Cade in like early third quarter. Like third <laughs> quarter, Cade is in there. Like, where did Joe Milton? Oh, he finished that first half five touchdowns. Over. Harbaugh would never do that ever. If he's smart, he will. He only has two quarterbacks this year. Jim never does that. Jim never does that. Um, I'm with I'm you. Go, was it 44 to 10 last year? Mm-hmm. Um. I'm just going to say 40, 48 to 13. Okay. I like it. I'm going to say, I'm going to say deep. I, th- I think Michigan state, they're, they're going to not turn the ball over seven times, but I, I, I do think they're still going to turn the ball three or four times. And that's going to be one be a pick six. I, I think one will be a touchdown. Um, and then um, there's going to be two that sets Michigan up in pretty good field position. And I think this year they're going to be a lot better in the red zone than they were last year. Um, just based on Joe Milton's poise in the pocket and not freaking out and not having the happy feet. Um, and his ability think, to run. Yes. Um, I think that will help us in the red zone percentage for touchdowns. All right, Howard, we're putting you on the spot. What Easy, baby. Happens? Easy. Real, realistically, 20, what do you think happens? 24-10, 24, 24, 24 14 Sparty. You think defense? Only <laughs> yep. Defense looks solid. Defense, defense was solid last week, but we got rocked by all those turnovers. I say the <laughs> offense gets it together, holds on to the ball. And lets our defense flourish a little bit, and we find find a, a few squirrely ways to get into the end zone. You twenty four four. Michigan's offense is not Rutgers' offense. I'm aware. Okay. I'm aware, bro. Since- I'm aware. I'm aware. We made it hard on ourselves by not holding onto the ball. Who rushed on the, on the offensive end ourselves? Who but are I think, pass rushers? Uh, that 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 Simmons dude. Ah, Antoine. Antoine. So, so basically, Antoine. Antoine. So, 
So basically, Ant, Ryan, so basically, Ant, Matt, and Eric are your pass rushers. Oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> Listen, bro, I, 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 I wear I wear the green on my shirt. I got it right here. Twenty four fourteen is my prediction. Uh, I'm taking it. I'm taking that to the grave. Loser uh, has to put uh, the other team in their bio. Go go green. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Somebody put in the comments, loser got to leave town. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I'm going to go with, I'm going to be kind of, um, kind of uh, bearish here. So I think, I think Michigan is going to be able to move the ball at will, but I do think they have some turnovers that's going to put Michigan state in decent spots. I also think that uh, if, they're going to fling the ball around. Lombardi does have good legs. And if you throw the ball 40-some times, again, like they did against Rutgers, um, you know, that's probably Michigan's weakness is their, is their uh, um, secondary. So I'm going to uh-huh. go with Michigan State covering the spread, but I, I have Michigan 42-23. I can see that happening. I definitely believe now I'm a little I feel a little bit better about their secondary after watching it a second time. I mean, I know we all were saying like when Dax got out, uh it's because Don plays that uh man to man, he will never go to zone. But uh the green kid didn't look bad. He just was playing Rashad Bateman. Now mm-hmm. I don't know if Michigan State has that type of receiver on their team. They don't but I mean, you know what helps a bad secondary is when the quarterback doesn't have time to throw the ball. And Michigan State can't guard themselves out of a wet paper bag. So good luck finding those wide-open receivers streaking down the field when you're getting smacked up by Quiddy Pay and Aiden Hutchinson. It should be a good game, though. Uh, it should be entertaining. Um, but I do think that, you know, I really – will not mind Michigan having some turnovers kind of, you know, to the point that we were talking about before Eric, where, you know, I really want to see these guys um, operate through adversity. And I think that'll, that'll give them some, I'm not saying like go out there and like throw the game, but I want to see what happens um, when something wrong happens. And And I want to see how they respond. You'll be waiting until week three or week four for that. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. I was thinking more Indiana is going to be that first real test because Indiana is going to take the punches and, and punch right back. Um, they're going to spread Michigan out. They're going to throw it a ton. Penix Jr. can run the ball. Uh, I think that's going to be the first real test that we're going to be sitting back on looking at the defense like, come on, man, we need to stop. We need to stop because they can go with you. Yeah, I think a 23-point spread is pretty fair. It's what a lot of people expected. Rivalry games, there's always the possibility that a monkey wrench is thrown in there. Turnovers have been prevalent in this uh, matchup before. But after the week one 24, 25-point victory over Minnesota, all signs point towards a, a Michigan W. But giving Michigan State their just due and their credit, crazier things have happened before. Uh, yeah. Also, FYI, uh, 
weather is supposed to be a high of 49 with no chance of rain. So ha, that only goes well for Michigan in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I really do believe that this is one of those games. I mean, um, it's one of those games where as a coach, you tell your players, like, we're definitely going to get out of here healthy, but we're going to experiment with some things. You know, not put too much on tape, but we're going to put some formations out there and experiment with some things because I don't – I didn't see them guard people in space well against Rutgers. Like, you get them in space, they're in trouble. And you know, Darnell, that's that is- crazy because Michigan utilized eight different – receivers or at least pass catchers and seven different running backs so they we got to see the first real football game with speed and space in my mind this is what josh gaddis has been talking about for so long and if he's able to build on that this is week one there's no telling how quality the the offense can look midway through the season oh i i 100 agree with you Eric. I, if you go back and a lot of people are arguing me down. You know, we still got blown out by Ohio State. But go back and look at that second half against Penn State. It's like the light bulb started to come off with the team. It was like, oh, okay, so this is how this is supposed to be ran. They've had I, all of this time to to learn it. You've got a quarterback that understands it. This is only the scratching at the beginning. I ahead, honestly think that the second half of the Penn State game at halftime – Harbaugh let Gaddis be Gaddis. I think the first half of that season, Harbaugh had a, a heavy influence on the offense. And at, at halftime, I think I think he let go of the reins. And I, I think at that point it, on, Gaddis has taken full control of the offense. Um, so we'll see. Um, I guess the next question is, is how many years until uh, Gaddis takes over Harbaugh's uh, spot at head? True that. Hey, but um, yeah. So like, we're about at an hour now, almost. That about wraps it up, man. Um, I'll probably be on here uh, talking about something else uh, in a couple days or days or so. Still waiting for this to get on the app store. This is the locker room app. It's, this is super dope, man. This is probably one of my favorite apps to utilize. Um, it'll be like three o'clock, and I'll just hop on the app and just see what people are talking about and it's um and you could hop in listen join uh really really cool it's going to be on the app store soon it's going to be on the app store soon just for apple users so just for iphone they're still developing for the android so that'll be in like a, a few months but it should be on the apple iStore here with within the next um week or so so i think i think uh, on, i think um uh, Howard said it was tomorrow. Tomorrow? Yep. Howard's been saying tomorrow for like two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we'll see. We'll see. But as soon as it goes, as soon as it goes up, uh, I'm going to put out a tweet just to get people on there. And then I'm just going to open up the room. And we'll like go through all the, you know, gadgets and widgets and all that fun stuff. But, uh, thank you guys for joining in and, and listening in. This is going to be up on Michigan State of Mind, my podcast, and then this will be up on Eric's pod as well. Yep, you guys got it. Um, follow me on Twitter at Eric Rudder WD and check out our content on WolverineDigest.com. Well, dude, thanks for you guys. Good talking to y'all. Yes, sir. Talk to y'all soon. Appreciate it. Take care.